Over the last few weeks, we've been looking and reminding ourselves of the songs of Christmas by hearing again the song of Mary, Zechariah, the angels, and Simeon. And as we've heard those songs, they've reminded us of some wonderful truths about Christmas and about our God and Savior and all that we know about Him and the experience of life. But I wanted to take this morning, at the day after Christmas, and just go through and, and kind of nail down some of those truths in our hearts and our minds. Things that we need to keep because it's more than just a day in the year that these things are true. And the reality of their truth is such a wonder that it gives us the privilege to live Christmas all the time. That we have the ability to know the wonder of what God has done for us and being a part of that as we look. And so I wanted to just take a, a few moments this morning and, and go through that with you and and again, nothing that we don't know, nothing that we've not already talked about as we've looked through these songs, but things that we can celebrate, things that we can worship, things that we can know day in and day out about the God that we serve and the wonder and the privilege of being able to serve him because of all that he is and all that he does together. The scripture that we're going to look at, a scripture that we're going to look at this morning, there's many that I'm going to mention, but is, is found in the Gospel of John, the first chapter and the first verse. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and read the first three verses, but I'd invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word and just allow that Word to speak to our hearts this morning. The Scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think together about Christmas and all that it means, and we've celebrated it, we've had great times together, many people have had the privilege to be able to gather together as families and, and be together, others may not have had quite such a, a, an eventful time, or maybe it wasn't as joyful for some as it, we would wish it could be for everyone, but what happens so often is now that it's come and it's gone in the sense of time and calendar, we just move on as though nothing's any different, as though nothing matters. It, just, it was just an event that comes year in and year out, and we did our thing, and now it's time to go on back to life as though nothing had ever happened. But thankfully, something really did happen, something that changed the world that we live in and gave the opportunity to each of us to be changed ourselves in such a way that we could never be the same again after we experienced Christmas in our own lives, after Christ was born in us, and we have salvation and everlasting life. And Father, because of that, there's some things that, that we were taught through Christmas, some things that, that you made clear to us through the Christmas experience that are ours to hold on to. They don't come and go. They're not just every once in a while, but they are day in and day out of our lives. They're every moment of our breathing, every time that we draw breath, every heartbeat of our life, they are real, they're true, and they're a part of who we are because we're your children. And what a great thing that is that Christmas has brought to us. So, Father, in these few moments, as we just think about things that we already know, things that we are aware of, I pray that you would just plant them a little bit deeper in our heart, let them take a better root and begin to grow a fruit that we can realize that we don't have to wait till Christmas, but we can experience that fruit day after day after day if we just simply let ourselves remember what Christmas teaches us. And I pray that in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. You know, when we think about Christmas, 
and all that it's about and the things that go with it, uh, one of the first things that we, we realize is that it's historical. It, it really happened. You know, it, when, we, when we look at this story, we have witnesses about it. We, we've talked about them. Of course, Mary and Joseph were witnesses to the coming of the Lord God to this earth as we look at it. The shepherds were witnesses to it. The wise men that were mentioned were witnesses to it. Simeon and Anna were witnesses to the reality that God had come to this world and to present himself to us. Even Herod and his atrocious acts acknowledged the reality that a God had come, that a king had come that threatened him. The prophets had spoke about it throughout the ages of time and being a part of it. It's a moment in history. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a fable. You know, Cinderella and Snow White and some of those stories are fun stories and nice little stories for children, but they're not true. They're fables. They're fairy tales. The story of Christmas is real. It's the truth. It really took place. And all of its benefits and all of what happened with it are things that you and I experienced because of a moment in time in history when God really made an event come to pass that he had promised and as we look at it. So as we think about that historical event, there's some things that it teaches us that we heard in each of the songs that we looked at together and that we know throughout the scripture and we've heard them all of our life, but there are things that you and I ought to be excited about it and, and being a part of it. See, one of the things that those songs taught us and one of the things that the Bible teaches us that we need to know in all the reality of what's going on is the reality that Jesus Christ preexisted all time. That Jesus Christ, in fact, is God. Can you imagine? He, he's God Almighty. That's what those songs said over and over again. This is God in His majesty. This little baby is God Himself. He's the pre-existent God. As we look at, that's what John 1, 1 said. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And in fact, the very Word was God, is God. He's God in everything that we look at, in everything that we know. The wonder of Christmas is that we are reminded that the Christ that we worship, the Christ that we celebrate, the Christ that we talk about as a babe that came to the earth, and all the things that we do around that, and all of that part is God himself. God came. God preexisted. He existed before the world began. You remember the Bible tells us over and over in so many different verses, and I'm not going to take time this morning to go through them. I just began listing them as I was studying and going through this, and I just kept writing verse after verse after verse on all of these things and being a part of it. And I thought, you know, we could be here all day today, and I would enjoy that, but nobody but me would today. And so I'm not going to do that as we look at it and as we understand. But, you know, the Bible teaches us about those wonderful truths about the Christ, that he preexisted, that he was here before time ever began, before there ever was anything that would look at it. And we see that over and over again. We could look in the book of Colossians where it tells us that everything was made by him, through him, and for him, and that he was the creator of all the things that go on. We could look through the Gospel of John, and there we would be able to read about the, the I am's of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll remember when Moses asked God who he was and what name could he use, he said, I am. That was sufficient because that simply meant I've always been, I am now, and I always will be. There's just never been a time when I'm not. And that's what Jesus declared about himself seven different times in the Gospel of John. He, he talks about I am, I am. I am. He even said to the Pharisees and confused them completely as though they weren't always confused anyway was the reality that he said, I am before Abraham. I am. I've always been here. I've always been a part of the world because the world wouldn't be here apart from me. And so you and I can celebrate today that Christmas means to us and reminds us that we serve the ever-existing God, the pre-existent Christ when he came. See, that's what we use when we say incarnation. That means that God put on human flesh and dwelt among us. That's the next thing that we can celebrate. And not only do we have a God who's always existed, 
But this God chose to put on flesh and dwell among us. Can you imagine that? That God so would give himself in such a manner. Nothing could save us. Nothing could offer to us. He gave a sacrificial system to us in, through the Old Testament. But they had to keep on doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it because it couldn't take away the sin. It could just cover over them enough that allowed them to be able to worship God. But they were still just as sinful. They were still just as guilty as they had always been. They needed a sacrifice. We needed a sacrifice that would be sufficient to meet the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, and be allowing us to be able to, to know him in a personal relationship again as we were before sin came into the world and was a part of that time. And so God put on flesh. And he came and he dwelt among us and he lived a perfect life and he put himself upon a cross and he died. So that, that sacrifice, that final sacrifice, that once for all sacrifice was sufficient not only to cover our sins but to remove those sins from us as though we had never sinned before. That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about justification. When it talks about that God made us as though we hadn't ever sinned through Christ's blood. Not through any activity of ours, not through anything that we did, not because we showed up on church after Christmas, but because Christ did something that none of us could ever do. Christ died for us. He shed his blood for us that we might be, have our sins atoned for, that we might be right with God. That's what the incarnation was all about. That was the whole purpose of it. And so when we think about Christmas, we, we're reminded that God not only existed before time, before there was ever anything going on whatsoever, but this God who is preexistent, this God who has always been, this God who never ceases to be, will always be, this God who is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, put on flesh and dwelt among us in order that he might put himself upon a cross and die for us. That was the whole purpose of his humanity that he could experience what you and I experienced, that he could suffer as we had suffered, tempted as we've been tempted, that he could understand the, the fullness of our lives and all that we're dealing with. And then he died in a perfect sacrifice so that once and for all the sacrifice would be done and we never again would have to offer a sacrifice to cover our sins. Now we're given the privilege and the opportunity, according to Romans 12, to offer our lives as a living sacrifice that we might honor God and celebrate God and worship God and find the fullness of life that is available to all of us in every moment of our lives if we would choose to because we have the ability to know the very heart of our Father and walk in the fullness of who He is because He came and understood who we are. He's our perfect high priest who became not only our priest but became our sacrifice. That's what humanity, that's what incarnation is about. And that's what those songs were about. We have a God who's always been, but in a moment in time, he chose to step into history and put on humanity in order that he could be our sacrifice and be a part of that. As we look at it and as we see and understand all the things that are happening and, and going on and being those things as we look at it. But those songs also told us another thing about Christ Jesus as we look at about, about Christmas. Christmas reminds us of the majesty of God. See, there's no one like our God. There are a lot of gods in the world. A lot of people worship a lot of different things. Gods, people, philosophies, religions. But there's only one God. And that God, the true God, is the one that Christmas tells us again and again that you and I are the ones who are the worshiping the God of the universe, the creator being, the one who made all things be. He is our God. 
And we never need to hang our heads in shame because we worship God and celebrate Him through Jesus Christ by the power of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We never have to be afraid to speak the truth that God is alive and that God is well and that He's on the throne and that one day He's coming again. We have a God who is all majesty. The Bible tells us that nothing can be compared to Him. The, the Scripture says, to whom can you compare to me? And it asks the questions, questions is, even as was mentioned in one of the readings, you know, who's, God, who's going to stand before God and say, you've got to explain things to me? Or who's going to make God swear to them or, or make an oath to them? There's no one high enough to do that except himself. And that's, who, that's how he made his promises is that he does and what he's going on. He's majestic. He's holy. He's higher. Even the Bible even tells us that all creation celebrates him and worships him and acknowledges the wonder of who he is and being a part of what's going on and understanding. We have a God who is full of majesty and holiness, and he's above all things as we look at it. That's what Christmas says to us. As we look at it, it teaches us again and again and again that our God is, is holy and righteous and majestic. Our God is worthy, you see, of worship. He's worthy of all the things that we have and being a part of it. There's no other thing that is worthy, no other person that is worthy except the God that we serve. And that's what Christmas reminds us as we look at it. But it, it also reminds us of the faithfulness of God. Isn't it great that God keeps his word? <laughs> that he does what he says? You know, all of us want to be the kind of people that are people of integrity, that people can trust, and that people can depend upon and know that if they say something, it's, it, they can just take it to heart. It's gonna be all, that's what we're going to do. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. But probably if not all of us, most of us have had times in our lives when we didn't quite fulfill what we said we'd do. We didn't carry it out the way we said we would. Maybe we didn't do it at all. We're not always faithful to the things that we commit ourselves to. Not faithful sometimes in our nation, obviously. We're not faithful to, to marriage. We're not faithful to, to family. We're not faithful to, to work oftentimes. We're not faithful to things that are put before us just in the everyday living of our lives. But we have a God who is always faithful. He always keeps his word. And in fact, the Bible tells us that his faithfulness was so real and so through that even before the foundation of the earth began, he had made a, a promise within himself between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that triunity of God that he would provide a Savior for mankind when man sinned and that he would provide that Savior so that we could be made right with him. And he did it. And he, just, he, he told Adam and Eve that he was going to do it. He told the people throughout the Old Testament, through prophet after prophet after prophet, I'm going to do it. I'm going to provide a Messiah. I'm going to provide a Savior. And he did. And Christmas is a reminder that God keeps his word, that God fulfills his promises, that he does what he'll say he will do. And so we need to let that be a part of who we are, that we can trust our God and believe our God and know that our God will always be faithful to his word and being a part of it. In fact, Timothy tell, Paul tells, us, tells Timothy as he writes to him, though you and I may be faith, unfaithful, God will remain faithful. No matter how unfaithful we are, Toward him, he is always faithful toward us. He's faithful to keep his word in all the things that go on and be a part of it. But all of this is covered over. And in the background of those songs and, and throughout the scripture by the love of God. See, Christmas reminds us that God loves me, that God loves you, 
We see that in John 3, 16, obviously, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's put your name there, put my name there, that if you and I believe in him, that we wouldn't have to worry about perishing, but rather we'd have everlasting life. That's love. That's what God did for it. It doesn't say, for God so loved the world that those who acted the way he wanted them to act. It doesn't say that those who went to the right church or had the right skin color or spoke the right language or had the right job or earned enough money, or did enough good works. No, it says, God so loved you and me that he gave. And see, in order that we wouldn't misinterpret that, Paul goes a little bit with that and carries it a little bit more for us where he says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his love to you, and he demonstrates his love to me, and that while we're still sinners, while we're still separated from God, while we're still at enmity with God, Christ died for us. See, he didn't wait until we were good enough. He did it when we weren't worthy at all. He died for us in order that he could help us become worthy in his eyes. We're never worthy in ourselves. But now because Christ has forgiven us, cleansed us, made us his children, we become acceptable to stand in the very presence of a holy God for all eternity. God loves us is the message of Christmas and what's going on and being a part of it as we look at it. See, Christmas is a call to every single person to experience Christ. The Bible tells us that it's God's desire that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. That's God's heart. That's what he wants. And Christmas made that possible in addition to Easter. Now, just Christmas by itself means nothing. But Christmas was the purpose of bringing about Easter because Jesus came to die. That was the reason he came. He was born. He put on flesh in order to die, to be that sacrifice. But we know that Christmas not only reminds us that Easter is the end result of it, the two greatest stories in all of eternity, Christmas and Easter, but that Easter is a part because not only did Christ die, but he rose. (laughs) He's alive. Our Savior lives today. And because he's alive, we can celebrate Christmas, not just about a baby in a manger, or not about a, a, a God on a cross, but about a Savior on a throne who one day is coming again. See, we live now in the time of a second advent. We're waiting. We're preparing. We're expecting, just like they were then, for Christ to come. And folks, Christmas is a declaration point. He's coming. He will. He keeps his word. We don't have to worry about that. We know that our God is coming again in Christ Jesus to take his people, his church, to be with him for all eternity and being a part of that. Christmas is about the majesty of God. It's about the eternalness of God. It's about the humanity of God becoming one of us in order to be our sacrifice. It's about his his faithfulness and all that he is. But what he wants out of Christmas is that we put our faith in him. A lot of people talk about faith, and we have faith. But faith doesn't mean as much unless it's in the right thing, right person. I can believe some people can do some things. I can have faith in some things, but they may not measure up. But faith in Christ always works. Because he keeps his promises. He can do what he says he can do. 
He is who he says he is, and we can trust him every moment of our lives. I think that's part of what Christmas is supposed to mean to us as we look together and as we think about it with one another. We're going to have just a, a verse of a hymn of invitation together as we have a couple of verses as we look at it and think about this and a time to just recommit ourselves. We've gone through a year. We, we're moving to the beginning of a new year, and it's always a good time to, to reflect and rejoice over what God has done in our lives, to learn from the lessons that we maybe messed up a few times and we need to learn about how to move forward from those kind of things, but to make new commitments to be the people God wants us to be.